What's up, wrestling fans? Welcome to episode number 294 of the Smart Out Moment Smack Talk Podcast. I am your host, as always, Tony Mango, and this is the Hot Tags edition of the week, where I'll be breaking down some current events, news, rumors, gossip, and all sorts of other kind of stuff that went down these past couple of days in the world of professional wrestling. And you know what? Just a few uh, days ago, we didn't have a whole lot of ammo, but within the past few days since that point, we've been getting some actually pretty interesting stories going on. So we're going to bounce around here and talk about a wide variety of topics going on. And uh, as you can tell by now with the YouTube thumbnail and the information on there, or if you're listening on iTunes and Stitcher, which would be popping up as like the title for this and stuff like that, we have a couple of different things that are bigger stories, but we're going to dive into some of the smaller ones first, just to kind of ramp up to that a little bit. Uh, First things first, I want to mention about my thoughts on this week's Table for Three that just uh, debuted about a half an hour ago after I uh, or before I'm recording this. Certainly couldn't come after I do that, because then I wouldn't be able to tell you what I thought about it. But I usually like to try to give you guys a little see-it-or-skip-it type of review. This one is Nation Reunion. It's got The Godfather and Mark Henry and Ron Simmons on it. Noticeably absent is D'Lo Brown and The Rock, although The Rock did give them some gifts. And it's an interesting and funny part of it, so I'm not going to spoil what it is. Uh, I don't want to spoil too much about it, but I do think this is, again, one of the better type of things they've got going on for the WWE Network and it's also one of those things again too that if you like it you like it if you don't like it then you probably don't like the format and you won't like any of the uh, different editions that they've got but I do think that it's worth a watch they have some interesting stories about uh, the way that they tackled such an interesting and controversial gimmick back in the day and how they used to have to put them in ambulances to get them out of Madison Square Garden safely and different things like that. And it was just kind of fun. So I think that this is a full-on see-it. Big old thumbs up. Check it out when you get a chance to. It's pretty short. It's about 20 minutes or half an hour long, so it's not a big commitment. And if you were somebody who grew up in the Attitude Hour like me, then it's some good old nostalgia. If you're not somebody who grew up then, then you should do your history work, and that'll help you out a little bit with it. So I think that it's good for everybody to check that one out. Another thing uh, on the smaller side is a little bit of speculation that Sasha Banks might be hanging it up in a few years, whether just retiring or leaving WWE, or it could just be total BS. Who knows? But she has a Tumblr account that she's active on every once in a while, and that's sort of a shoot sort of environment for her. She'll mention a couple things here and there about that potential feud between her and Alexa Bliss and not getting along and everything. And recently on her Tumblr, she posted, and this is a quote, two more years left, new beginnings coming. What does that mean? Well, I mean, at first you would have to assume that it would mean two years left on her contract. And after that, then she'll be able to go to a different company. But that doesn't necessarily mean that. And of course, we're going to think about the worst more than we're going to think about the best. Maybe it's something to do with paying off student loans. (laughs) Maybe it's something to do with that she can get out of her lease in her apartment. It could be a lot of different things. Realistically, it's probably something wrestling related because why would she be posting about something like that and not just saying something else like, oh man, in two years, I can't wait to move and get out of Florida or wherever the hell she lives. I'm assuming Florida because a lot of the people uh, in WWE live there, but I don't, I don't fucking know. She could live in Oklahoma for all I give a shit. And, uh, 
if she is thinking about leaving WWE, I got to call bullshit on it being a good idea for her to kind of do that because she's a big name in WWE right now, but she's not somebody that WWE can't live without or anything. And we just saw this whole backlash with uh, Austin Aries. A lot of people at first were thinking to themselves, oh, damn it, they lost Austin Aries. This is such a big thing, and he's, you know, underutilized and whatever. More and more people over the past few weeks, or past week, or however long it's been, I don't know, I lose track of time very easily. Uh, She, not she, he, I even lose track of genders, apparently. Uh, A lot of people losing their faith in Austin Aries and kind of siding with WWE on this, saying that it seems like he was just a little problematic and he was a whiner and he didn't really necessarily deserve extra special treatment. If Sasha Banks is in the kind of mindset that she thinks that she should be better booked than what she is, you're a three-time WWE Women's Champion. That's crazy already. Most women don't even get a chance to get to that level. Look at Tamina. She's been in the company for seven and a half years or something like that now, and she has never won a single championship. And this has been in multiple brand splits, so she's had more than her opportunities, but she's never gotten a title. Sasha Banks has had three of them, plus her NXT title run. That's pretty damn good. Plus, she gets to hang out with her friends. She's not consistently booked bad. She is doing the job that she wanted to do. So I hope that's not the case for not only for her, but for her fans. You know, I'm a fan of Sasha Banks. I want her to stick around as long as possible. And if she's just using this as like a, I don't know, debate tactic kind of thing, just to get some interest going her way or whatever, I think it's kind of shitty. But we'll see in two years, I guess. And a lot of things can uh, change in two years. And again, just to reiterate, because it's all speculation, This might have nothing to do with WWE. This might be something completely unrelated. Maybe she and Mikasi are waiting on adoption papers and they have to wait two years before they get some kid. I don't know. Maybe she is planning on aging some liquor and in two years it's going to be really uh, tasting great. (laughs) It could be a wide variety of things, but you would have to assume it'd be a WWE related thing. And if she wants to leave WWE in two years and go somewhere else, well, you know what? They'll move on. They'll have some other people that they can work with in the process and she won't make as much money. That's just how things go. If you want to talk about potential heat, let's talk about Enzo Amore and Big Cass because the story going around right now is that both of them have heat on them, but for different reasons. Word going around the rumor mill is that Enzo was kicked off a tour bus and not let in the locker room, but no real reason was given why on any of the reports that I had seen. So I don't know if Maybe some more information has come out that I've not been privy to, but uh, it also said that he was not a big fan of them splitting the two of them up. And that's possibly something where he could have lashed out and just been like, oh, it's going to kill my career and whatever like that. Well, then you got to step up and be a good singles competitor. It's happened to many, many other people over the years. Now, the uh, big cast side of things is supposedly because he's a big vocal supporter of Donald Trump. And politics are one of those things that you kind of, you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't. If you agree with somebody on political issues, it's very rare that you'll believe, uh, you'll agree with all of their beliefs. And the one or two things, or the 50 things, or whatever that you disagree with them on, they're going to harp on for that. Whether you were a Republican, a Democrat, an Independent, a Nazi, you know, I mean... It, it, Who's to say what's right and what's wrong, except for Nazis wrong. 
<laughs> but there's good and bad people from all sides. I personally think that all politicians have at least a little bit of scumbag in them, if not a lot. And if I'm going to throw my own uh, political opinions out there, I have absolutely hated this Donald Trump uh, presidency. And maybe there's a couple things that his agenda is something that I would agree with. But for the most part, I think it's awful. But I didn't like Hillary Clinton either. So it was kind of a, another damned if you do, damned if you don't type of thing. And a lot of the times it's better off just not being mentioned. Um, you know, I'm better off not mentioning it uh, on this podcast even and saying whether or not I agree or disagree. But I think that that's kind of like religion where a lot of people are so invested in their beliefs on whatever the system is that they subscribe to that you kind of can't win. If you are a Donald Trump supporter and somebody's vehemently against Donald Trump, then you're just not going to see eye to eye. And if you're the flip side and, you know, you're trying to hang around with somebody who does like Donald Trump and you hate him, then you're going to be feeling like the other person's an idiot or that they're a bigot or that they're just uh, ruining the country or whatever like that. It's the same as when Obama was in office and you had supporters of Obama and then people hated him. And it's the same thing with Bush and it's the same thing with Clinton and the same thing with, you know, with anything. So... Him being a supporter of Donald Trump shouldn't be something that gets him heat as far as like the creative team and such goes, but in the locker room might be a different story because maybe he's talking about politics and everybody's like, yo, Cass, shut the fuck up. Who gives a shit what your opinion is? Or maybe the majority of the locker room is anti-Trump and if he's just being adversarial, then it makes sense that he would end up having some heat, but we are still seeing them getting pushed. So if the heat is really all that consistent and all that strong, it's not really bleeding over all that much into the storylines. So that's a good thing too. But I think that the biggest problem and the biggest heat should be on that goddamn theme music that he has, because it's awful. His entrance music is terrible. It's one of the worst in the company that's been out there for years. And if you want to try to uh, hinder him in some way with that, you already killed him with that uh, music. Jeez. Uh, let's see. Well, I'm not talking about controversy. Let's talk about some more controversy here. Alberto Del Rio. Why not? He's in the news every goddamn week with gossip. This is like the gossip corner. It might as well be. Uh, we've talked about a lot of things here and there. And recently, a little bit before earlier this week and kind of bleeding over into what we were talking about last week and stuff. Alberto Del Rio has been suspended from Global Force Wrestling, and this is all due to that whole fiasco with Paige and with the, uh, the I think it was an airport where she had thrown alcohol on him, and it's something like her, her uncle's dying, and he's being an inconsiderate fuck and saying that he hopes that he dies soon, and she's saying, get away from me and whatever, and but of course, you can do all this stuff in public, and then bitch and complain that people are, you know, infiltrating your life and they're not leaving you alone, but it's like you're causing a scene in public. So, you know, we've talked about how they're both just, you know, repellent magnets against each other kind of thing. But to come out of this, we've seen Del Rio get suspended from GFW and that they are going to address the situation later on, whether or not they want to take the title off of him, whether or not they want to go in a different direction with their future of the company, but this is not a good thing for GFW one way or the other. Either Del Rio is actually abusive 
emotionally or physically or both. Or he just happens to be dating somebody who is a horrible PR person. Either way, GFW does not get anything positive out of this because he is their head of the company right now, essentially. He's their main guy. They just switched the titles over to be a Del Rio push. Typical TNA, right? Well, on top of that, Del Rio has been stripped of the WAW Undisputed World Heavyweight Championship. That is from Paige's family. They're taking the belt off of him and... Not too much information about exactly what else is going to happen with that because it's been not really uh, described at detail. It's not like, well, we're taking it off of him because he abused Paige or we're taking it off of him because he's got a lot of problems going on right now. Just that he's not having the cha- uh, championship anymore. So that is very, very interesting and very, very telling. Why they would take that off of him unless there was something going on? Uh I, either way, this is uh, just another notch in the belt when it comes to Del Rio and Page issues. And I am waiting the day where we end up getting some kind of note that this is like past the point of no return, which sucks. Hopefully, they've got friends and family that can kind of separate the two and to just put them in therapy or something or or what. But I forget who had asked it, but somebody said, like, is WWE better off just firing Page? Yeah. Fuck the movie. That movie's not going to make tons of bank or anything. And she is just a uh, train wreck. So all this shit that she's raining down upon bad press and everything, it's not good. Not good for her. Not good for Del Rio. It's not good for GFW. It's not good for WWE. It's not good for anybody. Uh, Poison people, man. I don't know. It sucks. Uh, But to hopefully replace what he was supposed to be doing... The both GFW and WWE really, really wanted Del Rio to be part of their Latin American kind of push. And now we're getting reports that Rey Mysterio might be looking to return to either WWE or to go to, to uh, GFW. His son Dominic apparently also wants to get into the business. And some reports are saying that he's leaning more towards WWE because that could get his son a foot in the door, kind of. Which you got to assume... Even if he did go to GFW, Rey Mysterio's kid would probably be able to get a tryout no matter what, because he's Rey Mysterio's kid. I don't think Mysterio's issues with WWE are so deep-rooted that they wouldn't be able to let bygones be bygones, because it seems like the majority of what the issue was is Mysterio wanted to make more money by wrestling less, and WWE said, uh, nah, dude, you're kind of, like, injured all the time. And we don't want to pay you that much money to not have you wrestle. So he went elsewhere and he's been, I'm assuming, doing okay. I haven't really followed his career. But you guys should know if you've been following the channel for a while, Rey Mysterio is not my favorite wrestler. I think that he is very overrated in a lot of different ways and the type of person that never should have been world champion. But somebody who I do think is a valuable asset in a lot of different ways, bonafide Hall of Famer, 100% for sure. First ballot Hall of Famer, in my mind. And he's somebody that WWE wouldn't be wrong to bring into the mix again. If he can wrestle still, all that much better. Uh, there's no real like feuds that I think we need to see. Because it's like, okay, him against Kalisto, nobody really cares. That was that whole Sin Cara thing, and it didn't really happen. And we don't really have another 
like a Hispanic superstar that they can really kind of like push in that regard to sort of Ray passes the torch sort of thing. So maybe even, uh, even just as an ambassador, that could be good. And if he's not too expensive, I'd like to see him go to WWE more than I would like to see him go to GFW. Because first off, I'm not going to see him in GFW because I'm not going to watch. But he might actually be more interested in doing the GFW side of things. Because if they can bring him in with LAX, that could be pretty interesting. But we'll have to see. Uh, I would assume that WWE would probably pay more, but maybe not. I don't know. And if he goes to GFW, it's not the end of the world for WWE. If he goes to WWE... It's not the end of the world for GFW. And if he goes to neither place and Lucha Underground still has him under some kind of contract or something, then it won't matter anyway, uh, one way or the other. So, hey, just uh, stay tuned. See if any more information pops up about Rey Mysterio. And if it does, then we'll be reporting about it. However, WWE might not necessarily have the money for this because we've been seeing a lot of things recently about them doing cost-cutting measures. One of them is they've stopped using Pyro. And uh, Road Dog addressed this saying, oh, well, in three weeks, it'll be the norm and nobody will care. That sucks to have that kind of mentality. Now, Pyro is not something that is as quintessential as like in-ring action. You know, it's not like, well, we're cutting microphones and we're never going to do promos anymore or something like that. But Pyro is something that is part of the wrestling uh, organization that we've got going on now. It's there is a certain structure that we're used to. And it's fine to deviate from that structure, especially can figure out a different way that make things better. But it's kind of one of those parts that's sort of part of the pomp and circumstance and fun. I remember going to WrestleMania 29 and the fact that they had no pyro made it seem like it wasn't WrestleMania to me. So for people that come out and their entrance is sort of dependent upon pyro, that's going to hinder them a little bit. It's just, that's the way things are. Somebody like Brock Lesnar, he has pyro. People aren't going to suddenly think that Brock Lesnar is, you know, not a main event caliber superstar just because there aren't some pretty little lights that fly up when he goes out. But it does sort of not make you get into the mood as much and everything. Like, imagine The Undertaker if he didn't have as much of that kind of an entrance going on. It wouldn't be setting the atmosphere right. Pyro's fun. And I can understand not wanting to do it every single week or not wanting to do it necessarily on Monday Night Raw and on SmackDown, but for pay-per-views, they should do the pyro stuff. Hopefully, that's not a situation where there's no pyro for anybody in the future going on. Hopefully, we we do get people that can use pyro and we can use that kind of stuff at pay-per-views and still kind of have some of that fun stuff there because, hell, we should still have Finn Balor do the Demon Balor thing at uh, SummerSlam. So we should still have pyro for people and we should still ideally like dress the set a little bit different and stuff, but maybe that's asking for too much. But another thing about cost cutting measures that has happened this week is two shows got canceled. Well, not necessarily. One of them got canceled. One of them got severely neutered. I guess you can put it unfiltered with Renee, uh, Renee young is canceled all indications seem to be that's just dead and that they're not going to be doing anything anymore with that. That kind of sucks, although admittedly I didn't really watch it because when they do these interview shows, it's not that I don't care about the behind-the-scenes stuff because I love behind-the-scenes stuff like Breaking Ground and I love like the, like the WrestleMania WWE 24 specials and stuff, but 
I don't really want to see Renee Young ask a bunch of questions that have been pre-approved to wrestlers to try to show that Roman Reigns has a funny side. You know what I mean? Like, if it would just be, like, if I could ask the questions and I could really just, like, pick apart, like, some really interesting parts of different people behind the scenes, then it'd be a different story. But I kind of feel like something like Unfiltered is filtered. And that bugs me because it's like, well, not many people know that the Hardy Boys are doing this broken thing outside of the company. Let's talk about that a little bit in the few little bits that we can kind of specify. Okay, well, I'm not at liberty to say, but yeah, people know they followed us elsewhere and whatever. And you're sort of dancing around topics just to get it out there. And, you know, like uh, if you talk to, say, I'm trying to think of an example, like if Renee Young were to do something like unfiltered, Stephanie McMahon, she wouldn't go, hey, so what's up with that Randy Savage rumor? Did you ever fuck him when you were 15? That's not going to happen. She's going to say, tell me about what your work with uh, Connor's Cure was like. And then it's just a PR stunt. So Unfiltered felt more to me like, hey, can you ask these wrestlers questions so we can get to know their personalities and like them more than actually let's sort of put out there all these strange questions that they get asked. And it should really be like, uh oh, she's going to ask me those truth or dare type questions or whatever. So that can just go away and it's not going to be a big deal. Talking smack, on the other hand, though. That is no longer going to be a weekly show, apparently starting this week, but we'll see as far as, uh, you know, 12 hours from now or whatever. No, more than 12 hours. I can do math. It's 12.31 right now when I'm recording this, but uh, anyway, we'll see after SmackDown if they do an episode, but I highly doubt it since they wouldn't have made some kind of an announcement if they weren't going to apply it going forward. So what this is going to be is like Raw Talk, where they just do it after pay-per-views, which sucks because Raw Talk sucks. Talking Smack is great. I loved Talking Smack, and I'm really kind of annoyed that this is happening, because, well, all right, supposedly there's two things going on here. Um, Both seem to have been from two sides of the internet and disregarding each other, but one side says Vince McMahon wasn't happy about it being unscripted, and another side says low ratings. Now, low rating side doesn't make the argument of it's VOD and people can watch it at any time that they want and that it still was doing at least as well as some of the other things were according to certain breakdowns of like the most popular shows of the week and stuff. They've kept things that have been worse than that. So that's something that would be interesting as far as ratings go. And as far as Vince McMahon not being happy with it being unscripted and stuff, that's the one I buy more into. Now, the whole reason that people enjoyed this was because it was unscripted. And that just goes to show how much Vince can get in his own way, if that's the case. There are three things working against uh, Talking Smack. Number one, they put 205 Live in the middle of the two. So you had to wait an extra hour to get to it because the SmackDown, SmackDown stuff wasn't as fresh. You do two hours of SmackDown, you wait an hour, essentially... And then you start talking about what just happened on SmackDown. That doesn't really translate that well. That extra hour also meant that some people wouldn't want to stay up to, you know, 1130 or whatever to watch a half hour of just talking. Because it seems like we can't get people to watch 205 Live. And that's actual action in the ring. 
and people don't want to watch that. So if people don't want to watch that, then why are they going to want to watch people talking? And third, it is just a talking show on the network. So by default, you're not going to get anywhere near as many viewers as you would something like Raw on USA because the network is there. And there's not as many people that are going to be watching the network as watching, you know, network TV, essentially. But could it really have been that difficult to produce? They're already recording it during 205 Live, so people don't have to stay longer. And it's just one static set, people talking. You run footage on the network anyway, so you don't have to like buy the time. And it gives you time to set up other elements of programming that you don't have to cram into the two hours of SmackDown. It's a very, very dumb move. Nobody watches the post-pay-per-view ones because they are not only more scripted in the way that they feel, but they just talk about what immediately happened that you spent five hours watching. It's like the pre-show. Talking Smack itself was good and refreshing because it gave people chances to flesh out their characters more. You know, we could get Baron Corbin popping up, and we could see a little bit more about him, and we can get The New Day cutting some kind of promo that they didn't get a chance to do on Raw, or sometimes the Usos. I mean, the Usos at WrestleMania, they weren't given shit to do. And they were going on Talking Smack, and it was the only way we could see the Usos and the Raw, uh, SmackDown Tag Team Championship at all during WrestleMania season. Talking Smack is one of those things that I think that WWE didn't even realize could be as good as it was and could have potentially been even better. Look at The Miz. The Miz was able to do amazing things with Talking Smack. And that's because they didn't script it, and they gave him the time to actually work his character out. But what do I know, right? I'm just one of the few people who watches all your shit, WWE. You know, I'm the guy that watches it all, and so many people skip out on 205 Live, or they only watch Raw instead of SmackDown or whatever, but here I am tuning into all of it, and I'm your target audience, and you don't want to listen. Well, I don't watch main event. Because nobody watches main event. Side note, why does that even exist, really? Like, is it some kind of deal with Hulu that they have under contract still, and they just have to put the bare minimum of effort into it to essentially just exist? I'd have to imagine, in, in that regard, Hulu is probably okay with them just having, like, some kind of presence on their programming, even if it sucks, but I don't know. They, they seem to put zero effort into that whatsoever, and as soon as the contract is over, if that's the case... Uh, it doesn't make sense for WWE to be making like enough money off of that to be worth it. Just stop doing main event, you know. It takes uh, more effort to put on main event, it seems, than Talking Smack. Uh, anyway, it's a dumb decision in my mind to cancel Talking Smack. Nobody's going to watch the post-pay-per-view Talking Smack editions because we just watched hours and hours of pay-per-view stuff, and they're, all they're going to do is go, hey, did you watch that match from earlier? Oh, man, that was crazy, huh? Yeah, well... You'll find out more information about that on uh, our next episode of SmackDown. Pointless. As much as I do have to admit, though, getting rid of it is not going to be, uh, you know, another end-of-the-world type of thing. It's going to be a hindrance, and it's not going to help out in any means whatsoever. It's only going to hurt the product, but it's not going to kill WWE. It's like getting a paper cut. It sucks, and you're better off not dealing with the problem, but it's not a stab wound to the heart. Keeping Talking Smack and putting it in a better position to succeed is the ideal. Keeping it the way that it was is the next best option. Getting rid of it in any capacity is a bad thing. 
WWE will survive. And they're just going to have to work harder. And it seems like that's not necessarily something that the writers want to do right now. Because we've got Fatal 4 Ways stacking up. And very little effort being put into a lot of the feuds. Look at AJ Styles versus John Cena. Hey, uh, you guys do really good matches. How about you do more of those good matches? That's all we're getting for that. Blah. Uh, We'll see if uh, my opinion changes as far as tomorrow night for SmackDown and stuff. But two more topics to talk about here. This uh, one makes me laugh uh, a little bit. There's an internal debate, apparently, over the Mae Young Classic, which there are spoilers on SmartOutMoment.com right now if you want to know what happened in the first, well, essentially what has led to the finals. I'm not going to say what happened in case you don't want to be spoiled. Just go ahead and check it out if you want. But uh, they recorded the whole couple of first few rounds, all the quarterfinals and semifinals and such, and round one and everything before that, obviously. And... Uh, I don't think that this sounds to be as entertaining as the Cruiserweight Classic was. And maybe it's because they recorded a whole lot in one shot. Maybe it's because I'm not familiar with the women's wrestlers, but there seems to be some issues. And one of them that I didn't necessarily even think about at the time is that there's this sort of debate behind the scenes, supposedly. Again, of course, any kind of dirt sheet stuff, you got to take with a grain of salt. So maybe this isn't true, but... Some people apparently in WWE are arguing that the Mae Young Classic competitors aren't hot enough. And uh, from my perspective, do they need to be? I mean, it is a major bonus. Damn right it is. I'd much rather look at a beautiful woman than an ugly woman in any regard. Because, you know, it's a visual thing. So if we've got beautiful women fighting each other versus ugly women fighting each other, if they're on equal parts talent... I'm going to go with the beautiful women because I'd rather look at pretty girls. You know, that's just the way that it goes. Um, the same could be said about the male superstars, too. Do you think that women like Roman Reigns, John Cena, and Randy Orton because of their in-ring talent? Or is it because of their looks? It's a benefit. It's not a necessity. At a quick glance at the competitors in the Mae Young Classic, some of them are definitely lookers, though. So I'm a little bit surprised about that. And then, of course, though, some of them definitely aren't. I mean, a quick rundown. I'm looking at the list right now. We got like a couple people, the majority of the people are in the hot crew. Candice LeRae is good looking. Tessa Blanchard is hot. Vanessa Bourne is hot. Santana Garrett is the hottest girl in the whole tournament. Tony Storm looks hot. Kaylee Ray looks kind of hot. Dakota Kai is pretty cute. Ray Ripley looks cute. Eh, some of them are kind of like, eh, not really. But there's only a few that are really in like the not hot group. Like, Piper Niven's the first one that comes to my mind. She's big, and I don't know if she's a good enough wrestler, um, but I don't know if any of them are good enough wrestlers to be a part of that. That's the thing. The wrestling talent should be the main thing here. So, say, I have never seen Tony Storm before. Tony Storm's good-looking, but is she a good wrestler? If Piper Niven is a better wrestler than Tony Storm, then she deserves to be in the tournament more. That kind of a thing, you know what I mean? Piper Niven is not attractive at all to me right now. She, If I were to do uh, another Sexiest Superstars tournament, she might be my dead last, actually. I think that she's... I, I don't like my big girls, you know. I like... Uh, Nia Jax's face is great, but the rest of her I'm not a big fan of. <laughs> big fan. Um, no pun intended for that one. But even like Jazzy Gaber or Gabert. I think it's Gaber. I don't know for sure. Nicole Savoy. 
Aisha Raymond, they're not hot, but they don't need to be hot to be in the tournament because we don't take only good-looking men to be in WWE, so we shouldn't have to have only good-looking women. That seems to be kind of an old mentality booking sort of philosophy of like the women can only be hot in WWE. For the most part, they are. I mean, it's the kind of thing where, yeah, karma is not going to be getting invited to do Playboy. You get somebody like a Summer Rae, she might. But if you tell me if I'm going to watch a Summer Rae match or a Karma match, I'm going to watch a Karma match. So somebody who's in that not hot crew, like the Piper Nivens and eh, I'm not the biggest fan of Mercedes Martinez, if they can do better, then by all means, push them further in the tournament, you know? The wrestling action, the promos, those are the things that matter more. Then you can start getting into the other stuff later on. But somebody's looks can be the thing that kind of propels them in the future. But also, we're talking about a company that can rinse and repeat a lot of different things. And they can replace people easily. And just because you're a good-looking girl doesn't mean that you deserve to be the top of the division. We've seen plenty of gorgeous, gorgeous women that just didn't amount to shit. Somebody like a Joy Giovanni. Super hot, but, you know, you making her a 20-time champion? No. Uh, <laughs> last topic here to talk about is from Monday Night Raw. This is something that we're going to get a little bit more information on over the next couple of weeks of where it goes. So we might be talking about this more, you know, in-depth later on and stuff, but the big reveal from Kurt Angle's storyline is that Jason Jordan is his son, Apparently. And uh, I don't really know how to feel about this because this is better than I had anticipated them doing because I was really getting nervous that they were going to do some kind of thing where it's like Kurt Angle had an affair with Stephanie and I really didn't want to see that. But um, here's the issues that I have with it. Number one, Raw tends to lose track of people like SmackDown. They, they tend to use people more and raw people get lost in the shuffle. Like big Cass is going to get lost in the shuffle. I guarantee you four months from now, we're going to be talking about how he didn't amount to anywhere near as much as that. We thought that he could because he's on Monday night raw and we've got plenty of other people that need more room to wiggle around with than they've been given. Finn Balor hasn't been doing really all that much. He's had his little feud with Elias Sampson, but it's really not worth all that much. And tag teams are a big problem with this too, because now we're down another tag team. Golden Truth, Enzo and Cass, American Alpha. We're potentially going to lose the Hype Bros. So did we need to split up American Alpha? I don't think so. Chad Gable and Jason Jordan are very entertaining and they're very good. And I think that they can be well uh, for singles competition and stuff, but this is only going to be good if they push Jason Jordan and if they push him within reason, they can't give him a huge push for two months and then go, well, he failed. Let's never use him again. That stuff doesn't help anybody. They need to give him a slower push and they need to push him heading towards the Intercontinental Championship, not the main world title, especially because it's not going to be there because they're probably going to keep it on fucking Brock Lesnar until WrestleMania, but uh, you've heard me bitch about that enough as it is. As far as the idea of Kurt Angle having a son, 
This is too soap opera-y for me. I don't like these kind of storylines because we know that eventually it's going to be undone a little bit. And then that's where I get concerned too. Because how do you undo it? Do you have Jason Jordan say, I fudged the test and you're not actually my dad, but this was the only way that I could get a push on Monday Night Raw? That's probably the best way. Because it's going to be a little bit weird if you just sort of continually pretend like Jason Jordan is his actual kid. But we did like storylines like this before in the past, and some of them could be fun and some of them could be horrible. And the biggest question mark I have about this is who does he feud with? Does Jason Jordan just not feud with anybody? We don't really have a whole lot of people on Monday Night Raw right now that aren't doing anything that I think could be useful in that regard. Like, I'm looking at the list at the moment, and I'm not really coming up with a whole lot of answers here because you can't put him against, like, Samoa Joe right off the bat. And nobody's going to give a shit if he's up against Goldust or... Yeah. I have no idea on Raw who could be a good feud with him. And I'm thinking Elias Samson is going to be the default, which I don't think that's necessarily going to be good enough, kind of. I like Elias Samson, but he doesn't have enough to sustain a feud like that. So maybe this will work, maybe not. I'm withholding at least a little bit of judgment for the future. And I kind of want to know what you guys think is your first impressions before we start seeing where this builds. So make sure that you leave your comments below and tell me what you thought about this story and the other hot tags. And also, send in your mailbag questions as soon as possible because we're going to be doing that next week. This week, the main event is going to be the Battleground Predictions. So if you want to you know, get your notifications when that's up, just hit that subscribe button and click that little bell icon. But the week after that, it's going to be the mailbag questions. And the week after that one, the first week of August, I'm essentially going to be taking off and I'm not going to be, you know, like around my computer and everything like that. I'm not going to have my equipment with me where I'm going and everything. So I'm going to have to record something ahead of time for that one, which means that that weekend is going to be kind of busy and everything. So we might have to do mailbag a little bit earlier. We usually try to do it Fridays, but Friday the 27th or the 28th or whatever like that, we might not be able to do it. So we might have to do mailbag on Wednesday or so. So you've got essentially a week and a half that you can send these mailbag questions in. But the sooner that you send them in, the better, because then I can kind of get the templates all set up and everything. And we can sort of start answering the questions and writing down our notes and we can kind of plan that out a little bit better. So send in your mailbag questions as soon as you can. And uh, if you don't get a chance to do that over the next few days or whatever, I'll still be taking submissions until we start recording essentially. But uh, the battleground predictions are coming up not next, because the next thing is going to be one of the last few ask him and rest hold type of things. I'm actually going to be recording that uh, as soon as I get done recording this in advance. So stay tuned for all that stuff happening on the channel. Hit that subscribe button, as I mentioned before. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at SmartOutMoment. Keep checking SmartOutMoment.com for more stuff, because we've got all the normal content throughout the week. The TV coverage, the weekly articles. Blah, 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 blah. You know the score by now, everybody. Just keep smarking out, and we'll keep uh, providing you with content and stuff. So that's going to do us in for this edition of the Hot Tags, everybody. Thanks for listening. This has been another Smark Out moment, and I'm being counted out. Ah!